This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Hurley. Season 2, Episode 10. Will California keep COVID-19 cases low? In a podcast in April, we explored why California's COVID-19 infection rate and fatalities were so low. As the Golden State prepares to reopen next week, we're going to revisit the reasons for California's low rates as compared to other states, and we'll try to determine whether those low rates are sustainable going forward. But first, let's look at some of the numbers. As of Thursday, May 14th, California had 74,392 COVID-19 cases and 3,033 deaths. The United States had a total of 1,413,000 cases and 85,581 deaths. New York State had the largest infection rate and death rate at 343,000 and 22,170 respectively with New York City having the highest concentration. San Francisco's numbers pale by comparison when we talk about New York. San Francisco had 1,999 cases and 36 deaths. California has a population of 40 million people versus New York State with 19 million. So whichever way you compare the two states' results, either in absolute numbers or as a percentage of the population, California has had a remarkable success. Of the 50 states, California ranks number five in total COVID-19 cases and deaths behind New York, New Jersey, Illinois, Massachusetts, and then California. The reasons for California's low numbers are many, some of which can be documented and some of which are conjecture. Certainly, stopping the nine daily nonstop flights from China to San Francisco on February 2nd played a big role in keeping the numbers low. Secondly, California's cities are less densely populated than the cities of the East Coast, such as New York, Boston, Newark, and Chicago. Having less densely populated areas makes the transmission of the virus all the harder. And on average, Californians enjoy a healthier lifestyle and warmer weather than our friends on the East Coast and in the Midwest. Also, our COVID numbers may have been understated due to a lack of wide-scale testing during the months of March and through April. Of course, California adopted shelter-in-place early, March 19th, and it was actually March 16th in San Francisco, but March 19th for California as a whole. So that policy slowed the spread. 
New York, by contrast, didn't bring in shelter in place until about a week after California by the end of March. So where are we now as the first reopening steps are implemented here in California? Unfortunately, amidst all this good news, there are some concerning statistics. COVID-19 deaths in California remain at a stubborn plateau. While the total death rate is low as compared to New York and Boston and Chicago, the plateau doesn't seem to be going down. The curve for deaths, COVID-19 deaths in California, isn't bending downwards. And it's the curve and the trend which is most important in this management of the pandemic. California has not seen a dramatic decline in deaths over the past month, according to the Los Angeles Times. During the seven days that ended last Sunday, 503 people here in California died from COVID-19, which was the second highest weekly toll during the pandemic. Now, according to University of California, San Francisco epidemiologist, George Rutherford, who actually worked at the Center for Disease Control, the reason that the disease is persisting in California is very simple. It's simply that people continue to go out because people are fed up staying at home. According to Mr. Rutherford, it's as simple as that. A certain percentage of the population has chosen not to stay at home or has been unable to do so because they are essential workers at supermarkets, meat processing plants, prisons, hospitals, and nursing homes. A CDC study estimated that Around April 1st, which was almost two weeks into the regional shelter in place here in the Bay Area, 50% of residents in the San Francisco Bay Area five counties which were affected were still leaving home. So while shelter in place was in effect in the Bay Area two weeks on, 50% of residents were leaving home. And that was down from 80% leaving home in February. Rutherford's made the point, and I think we know this, but it bears repeating. Rutherford made the point that people can still get infected even if you carefully monitor your trips out of the home, for instance, to go to the supermarket to buy a loaf of bread. You can still contract the virus even with a cursory visit for something as simple as buying a loaf of bread at the supermarket. Essential workers who must leave home, such as people who are making deliveries, those who work in the food industry, those who staff medical facilities, are among those contracting the coronavirus at a very high rate. In fact, Governor Cuomo last week in his press conference made the point that he was shocked and surprised to see that 
some of the recent coronavirus positive cases in New York and some of the deaths had actually occurred among people who had been faithfully sheltering at home. And it's a conundrum. How did this happen? Sheltering in place, staying home, was supposed to keep us safe. And he wondered aloud, how could this have happened? How could people who were observing the stay home, shelter in place, how could they be dying from the coronavirus? Well, I think the answer comes from Mr. Rutherford here at UCSF, which is that even a cursory quick visit to the supermarket, albeit with a mask and perhaps gloves, can result in a, an exposure to the coronavirus and therefore infection. A UCSF study of thousands of residents and workers in the city's Mission District found that 57% of those who were tested must leave their homes to go to work. Many of them, of course, are essential workers. But of those who actually tested positive for the coronavirus, they had to leave home for work, and they represented 90% of positive cases. And nearly 89% of those testing positive earned less than $50,000 a year, and most lived in households with three or more people. The Mission District here in San Francisco is the oldest neighborhood in the city and is adjacent to the actual mission, which was founded in 1776 by Junipero Serra, who was the Franciscan friar who established the missions throughout California. And the mission district, which surrounds the old mission, is the oldest neighborhood in San Francisco, one of the most heavily populated and densely populated with many apartments, multifamily housing, and many immigrants. The Mission District population today is very heavily Latino. And while Latinos made up 44% of those who were tested in that recent study, they accounted for 99% of the positive COVID-19 cases. Let me repeat that. During that test in the Mission District that found that 57% of those tested had to leave their homes to go to work, Latinos represented 44% of those who were tested. But of, that, of those who were tested, the Latinos represented 99% of positive COVID-19 cases. So we have a very large surge and a very large outbreak among the Latino population here in the Mission District and also throughout California. And why is that? It's for two principal reasons. Number one, the living conditions of many of our Latino neighbors are, uh, are not optimal. They live in small, crowded apartments, many sharing uh, because of the high rents in San Francisco. 
perhaps five, seven, eight people sharing one apartment. So overcrowded living conditions is one contributing factor. And the other contributing factor is the, is the fact that so many of our essential workers who work in the nursing homes, who work in the supermarkets, who make the deliveries, who work in the meat processing plants are Latino. Large outbreaks of COVID-19 have been reported in workplaces. And of course, as the workplace opens up and as the economy opens up, we need to be very vigilant that workplace outbreaks are kept to a minimum. But large outbreaks have been reported at workplaces which are needed to keep essential businesses running. For instance, a Safeway distribution center in the town of Tracy, which is east of the Bay Area, had a very large outbreak with dozens of employees at the Safeway distribution center infected. Now, Tracy is a, is a distribution center for the 7 million people who live in the Bay Area. And Safeway, other supermarkets have their distribution center there, Walmart, Target, all of the big retailers, all of the big supermarkets have their distribution centers in Tracy. The staffs of those warehouses and those distribution centers live and work in the Tracy area. Many of them are Latino. And there you have at the Safeway distribution center a major outbreak. And of course, Safeway is the largest single supermarket in the Bay Area. You would like to think that our food supply and our food chain is safe and clean. And here you have at the Safeway Distribution Center a very large outbreak. Quite alarming. Further south from Tracy, 138 workers at a meatpacking plant in Hanford have also tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. Again, this is um, when our essential workers who are handling our food are coming down with COVID-19. That, uh, that is a very strategic threat as uh, in this pandemic. So again, something that we need to be very vigilant about as we go back to work. Los Angeles County residents, whatever areas they live in, and those who live in uh, those who live in poor areas in particular, have nearly four times as many COVID-19 deaths. To give you the statistics, in those poor areas, about 29 deaths per 100,000 people are occurring, versus eight deaths per 100,000 people in middle-class communities. The Los Angeles Times analysis shows that Black and Latino communities generally in California, aged 18 to 64, are dying more frequently than white or Asian Californians. And again, the link between poverty, COVID-19, essential workers, there's some common themes here. Again, coming back to Mr. Rutherford at UCSF, he believes that the more the economy opens up, more people will die. 
Also, as the weather gets better, large crowds are gathering in San Francisco's Dolores Park, Orange County's beaches, and Los Angeles Flower District. So once again, large crowds are the breeding ground, if you will, for very high transmission rates of this very contagious coronavirus. And that is also a threat which we're going to have to be very sensitive to as the California economy opens up for business. Just in Orange County alone, as the crowds went out to the beaches on April 25th and 26th, within a week, there was a steep rise in Orange County's infection rates. Just after that one weekend of large crowds frequenting the beaches, which then led to a closure of the beaches by Governor Newsom. A UCSF antibody study here in San Francisco's densely populated Mission District covered a four square block area. I'm giving you this example just to show you how certain populations are being disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 and the coronavirus. So the University of California, San Francisco did this antibody study in the Mission District. And they marked out four square blocks in the Mission District, and they found that the residents of that four square block neighborhood registered 6% with the coronavirus antibodies versus less than 1% for San Francisco residents as a whole. Once again, the densely packed Mission District with a very heavily Latino population which is in the front lines of our essential services and essential industries, registered a 6% coronavirus antibody rate versus 1% for San Franciscans as a whole. So as California embarks on a relaxation of the shelter-in-place restrictions next week, we must remain vigilant and careful we must continue to wear masks and gloves, socially distancing ourselves from fellow citizens and avoiding crowded public places. The mere fact that the economy is opening up doesn't allow us to let down our guard until such time as there is a vaccine and or truly effective medications against the virus. We can't let down our guard because the virus is as transmissible and virulent as it was before shelter-in-place began, and it will continue to be transmitted if we don't take those precautions. And in closing, that nasty and stubborn death plateau in California from COVID-19 needs to be uppermost in our mind, and we will be watching it closely. My sources for today's podcast were the Los Angeles Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, CDC Statistics, the San Francisco Department of Health, and the University of California, San Francisco. This is Jim Herlihy signing off for the San Francisco Experience from America's favorite city, San Francisco.